Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Day eight of the 2023 U.S. Open is upon us. Back half of the round of 16. That means we have eight singles matches on the schedule. Of course, what I want to do for all of you listeners on this show is preview all eight of those matches, tell you who's competing in each of the battles, how they got to this round of the event. Of course, offer my thoughts on the matchup itself, and then offer you a prediction for all eight singles matches as well. Of course, if you're looking for recaps of everything that's happened so far in New York, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed. As always, I'll ask like, rate, subscribe, review these shows, share them with your friends. We really want to get that Great Shot podcast like count on Apple Podcasts up to the same number as the Mini Break podcast, as the Crack Interviews podcast. This show is lagging behind. I would greatly appreciate it if all of you listeners could just hop on over to the Apple Podcast feed. Leave that five-star review, as always. It would be greatly appreciated. All of that said, I really like Day eight matches. Again, it's always a good thing at a major where it feels like every day progressively gets better and better. And obviously, I'm recording this on Sunday, September 3rd, prior to the start of Day 8, prior to the completion of the first half of the round of 16. But coming into Week 2, 11 of the top 13 women in the points race, 10 of the top 13 men in the points race for the year-end finals this season, they're still alive in the round of 16. We have the best of the best in the world all going head to head over the next week in New York. Plenty of fun things for us to talk about here on this show. And with that said, let's start talking about them. Let's get into day eight of the 2023 U.S. Open match of the day. Place I have to start. Alex Virev versus Yannick Sinner. These guys were two of my top five contenders coming into the U.S. Open. How could they not be in what has otherwise been pretty unstable? North American hardcourt stretch for the men. I mean, we know who the best two players are. Elkaraz, Djokovic, Medvedev, in my opinion, has earned that benefit of the doubt given how good he was in the months of February, March on the hardcourts. Sinner wins in Canada, so he had to be in your top four as well. After that, again, Rune, Ruda, uh, Rude, Ruda, and Rude. Let's try that again. Rude and Runa, both... Tough form coming in. They had early exits in New York. Guys like, you know, Tsitsipas won those Cabos, but pretty insignificant after that. Now, Taylor Fritz was very consistent, and ultimately he finds himself with a really good shot at making the quarterfinals. You have a guy like Alex Diemenauer. He was extraordinarily consistent. He's in the round of 16. We'll talk about his matchup with Daniil Medvedev a little later. Obviously, you know, again, Tiafo, Tommy, 
uh, Tommy knocked out today by Ben Shelton, but they've been in the conversation all season long. Still, Zverev, Sinner were two unequivocal top five guys against Sinner because he wins the title in Canada. Zverev beats Medvedev on his way to the semis in Cincy, obviously wins a title in Hamburg in July as well, and plays Djokovic really close in that, what, six and five semifinal loss in Cincinnati. And then, you know, if you watched last night, just to round out why Zverev was five on my list and how I think the case was solidified, did you see the first two sets, two and a half hours between he and Grigor Dimitrov? Dimitrov doubled the amount of winners to unforced errors. I think it was like 32-14 through the first two sets, and yet Zverev somehow takes that second set, 7-6, pulls away from there, played elite tennis down the home stretch of that match. And so, you know, again, I think he's 98% of the way back physically, not quite where he needs to be to be 100% back coming out of his corners, but about as good as you can ask of the big man. And nine months removed from, or now more than nine months, what, 20 months removed from snapping his ankle. You look for Zverev, 26 years old, 12 in the world, career high is number two. He's 41 and 20 now overall in the year, and again, has found his rhythm of late, wins over Vukic, Altmaier, Dimitrov to get to this fourth round. Here's an interesting note. I thought this number might be a little higher. It's still pretty impressive. This is his 16th second week at a major, 16th round of 16 appearance at the Grand Slams. He's 9-16 and 16 in round of 16 matches at majors coming into this one. I mean, yes, he's 26 years old. You know, 16 is four complete years of making fourth rounds at events. So let's say he did it every year, 23, 24, 25, 26. Obviously, that's a, someone ascending towards the prime of his career. And he, I guess he missed two majors last season. So maybe he'd be at 17, 18 if he came into this Australian Open in form. I mean, he's going to get to 20 is what I'm trying to say. And he's going to get to 400, 500 tour-level wins. Alec Zverev is going to have... He's not going to have all the records because Djokovic, Federer, you know, Nadal have risen to a plateau that it's hilarious that maybe Alcaraz, give the pace he's on, might be able to catch someday, but everyone else, good freaking luck. But relative to the normal human on the ATP Tour, Zverev's going to be top 10 in a lot of lists at the end of his career. If he wins one major title, he's an unequivocal Hall of Famer given the Masters' success and the gold medal at the Olympics. Needs to win that one major, obviously, to solidify his case. But again, everything else is going to eventually get there. Anyways, he's playing really good ball. I don't think we've seen Sinner play his best yet. The 22-year-old Yannick Sinner, six in the world, a career high for him. The quietest 44-12 and 12 overall on the year. And keep in mind, he reached the semifinals of Wimbledon. You know, again, has had a really good season at the majors. And for him at 22 years old, this is why the Zverev number, 16 is not a small number. That was bad framing. But Sinner at 22 years old has already reached 10 second weeks at the major. This is his 10th round of 16 appearance at slams. Five and four in his career at in this round. Again, wins over Hoffman, Senego, Wawrinka to get here. Fifth career matchup between these two. It's a 3-1 advantage to Zverev in the head-to-head. Zverev has won the last three as well. Now, Sinner beat them the first time they played in Roland Garros. Four sets in 2020. Uh, right in that, you know, fall French Open right after Zverev made his U.S. Open final uh, that year. Zverev beat Sinner in the round of 16 in straight sets 2021 at the U.S. Open. He beats him in Monte Carlo start of 2022. Both, of, you know, that match, excuse me, Monte Carlo 7-6 in the third. Haven't played in the Zverev comeback tour. It's their first matchup of the year. 
You know, again, Sinner continues to progress. Him, Alcaraz, Djokovic, the three guys who ranked top 15 in hold and break percentage this year. Now, Zverev has worked his way back up. He's back in the top 25 in hold percentage and therefore one of 11 players to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. You look at the points race, Sinner's fourth, Zverev's eighth, and Zverev nursing a 20-point lead over Taylor Fritz. Fritz a heavy favorite in his round of 16 matchup here on Sunday, taking on Dom Stricker. You know, again, Zverev needs to match wins to keep his 20-point advantage on uh, Fritz. Otherwise, he'll go behind 160 points. Again, it, why is Zverev up 3-1 in the career head-to-head? Although, again, I guess the U.S. Open match wasn't particularly co- close. 7-6 in the third in Monte Carlo is essentially a draw. Zverev has the serve. He has the physicality, the size to absorb the pace of Sinner, redirect it. Now, Sinner plays with pace through that Zverev forehand is going to give Zverev troubles. He's going to yank forehands wide. He's going to push forehands long. You know, Sinner has the sort of weaponry now to punish that wing. Yannick Sinner has been a top 10 returner for a couple of seasons now consecutively. And if Zverev gets shaky on the second serve, Sinner will punish that with his return. Now, again, Zverev made 70% of his first serves against Dimitrov. He's been serving particularly well, double-digit aces, and I believe all of his matches so far this week. He's He has the... He has an ability to win free points with that serve in a way. Sinner, who has progressed as a server, still isn't quite able to match. Again, we're going to get 10, 15, even some 20-shot rallies between these two. Zverev has gotten a lot better as a volleyer, particularly knifing off his first forehand volley cross court. He's always had a good overhead. I think the backhand still floats on him, but he's much more assertive in moving forward and hitting it. I would say him and Sinner are now equal as volleyers, and that's a massive compliment to Zverev, who was not a good volleyer in his career. Sinner was not great his first year on tour, but has gotten more than competent pretty quickly. Again, you trust Sinner maybe in the biggest moments to sustain his level, but both guys can get a little shaky when serving out sets. This match is going to be extraordinarily physical. This is another match where the first two sets could both be two hour, uh, could both be uh, could go over two hours total. And look again, if it's one all through the first two sets, I think Eileen Zverev just. I mean, that's tough to say out loud. No, I picked Sinner to start the tournament. I'm going to stick with Sinner. I just think Zverev played better against Dimitrov than Sinner did against Wawrinka. Again, is Sinner able to grind that match out? But Zverev, it required more aggression from Zverev, particularly in changing direction down the line to beat Dimitrov than it did for Sinner to beat Wawrinka, who kind of, again, there were a lot of errors. I think Stan had over 50. Sinner had just over 60 in their third-round match. Zverev comes in in better form. Again, we've seen Sinner win this sort of match, it feels like, more frequently, although Zverev did just beat Medvedev earlier this year. You look at their records against top 20, top 10 opponents so far this season. You look for Alex Zverev overall this year against the top 10 uh, in 2022. He's 1-9, in nine, so you know that's a pro-Sinner uh, stat. He's 4-9 for what it's worth against the top 20. You look for Yannick Sinner overall here in 2023 against top 10 competition the 22 year old Italian four and five against the top 20 he's seven and six you know again Zverev two of his four top 20 wins three of his four Dimitrov and Medvedev in his last two events so he has rounded back into form but Sinner is an altogether different test 
Sinner in five. I don't feel good about offering even a prediction. Again, the Zverev 3-1 head-to-head. He does have the, the differentiating factors, his ability to win free points on serve. Ugh, this match is going to be so, so good. Clear the calendar. That's the one you got to watch. And for what it's worth, because it's my job to tell you these things, you look at the U.S. Open schedule tomorrow, the Zverev Sinner match scheduled for 8-15. It's the night match on Ash. So Labor Day, Monday night. Some of you may have the scares of going back to school on Tuesday. It's worth staying up, watching a little tennis. That one is certainly going to be fun. I think that's the second match on Ash, by the way, tomorrow night. And the first one, Sabalenka-Kasekina, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I forecast that one will go quickly. So that should be about a 9 o'clock. No later than 9 start for Zero Sinner. I think it's going to go past midnight, folks. That one's going to be a doozy. The other doozy on the calendar tomorrow and I'll try not to spend 10 minutes on all of these matches I promise but how about the all-American battle Jessica Pagula versus Madison Keys now I was surprised to learn it's their second career matchup Pagula 1-0 in the career head-to-head between these two now that matchup actually not that far ago Pagula a win over Keys in San Diego at the end of last year 6-4-7-5 you know, obviously Jessica Pagula in the midst of a career season, 29 years old, number three in the world at her career high. She's won 77% of her matches this year, 46 and 14 overall, wins over Georgie, Teague, and then the three-setter over Svitolina. That was tight, but man, was Pagula assertive? Was she aggressive? Did she return the ball with success in set number three in a 6-2 closeout over Svitolina? This is her seventh second week appearance at a major. And considering she wasn't really a top 50 player until the start and really middle third of 2021, I mean, seven second week major appearances, all of them come in. You know, again, in the last five years, she's also 6-0 and in round of 16s at majors in her career. That feels particularly relevant for Jessica Pagula, you know, given, yes, she's had the quarterfinal hump to get over, but this round has not been a struggle for her. Now, you know, again, Pagula, one of 10 players on the women's side to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage, the hold percentage lacking behind, but she's third in break percentage on hard courts so far this season. She's been exceptional on hard courts overall on the year, by the way, winning 78.4% of her matches coming into this event, obviously with her three wins, she's now 32 and eight. So what winning 80, 80% of her matches straight up on hard courts this season wins Canada uh, coming into the event. If there were ever signs, stars aligning, that this is the event for Jessica Pagula to capture her first major, obviously those signs appear fairly, I don't want to say evident, but certainly about as lined up as they could be for Pagula. Given Sviantek Sabalenka doesn't come in, neither comes in with an overwhelming amount of confidence or form into this U.S. Open Pagula is going to face another serious test. Obviously, the three sets against Svitolina. Now, Svitolina didn't really have a weapon to hit Pagula off the spot. That doesn't mean Svitolina didn't utilize her physicality to open up lanes to attack. She was aggressive with her plus one, or excuse me, her inside and forehand in particular. But, you know, there's no doubt about the weapons Madison Keys brings to every match that she plays. And she has... Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club adjacent levels of power. Her ability to take the racket out of Ludmilla Samsonova's freaking hands in round number three, a three-set victory for Keys, was remarkable 
And look, she, what, quarterfinaled Wimbledon. Key's now 31-11 and 11 overall in the year. She's won 74% of her matches, the 28-year-old, 17 in the world, but top 13 in the points race and, you know, still alive in that points race, given she's still alive at this U.S. Open. She's making her 19th second week major appearance. That's the most of anyone competing tomorrow. Now she's 9-9 nine and nine in round of 16s at majors in her career, but I believe it's six of those losses came when she was 20, 21, 22 years old. So, you know, again, Madison Keys is playing her best ball. One of three players, her, Sviantek, Goff, top 15 in hold and break percentage this season. This one's the show court match. This one should be the night match on Arthur Ashe. I can't believe they're playing behind Sabalenka and Kasakina. Uh, that Zverev center is behind Sabalenka, Kasakina, not Pagula Keys. Maybe they wanted you know, the night session not to end at 4 a.m. because this one's going to be an absolute brawl. And look... Who comes in with the biggest weapons on the court? It's Madison Keys. Her serve is that good. You look for Madison Keys so far this season on hard courts by hold percentage. She's currently, I believe, what? I want to get this math correct. She's currently 14th in hold percentage on hard courts. Uh, You look for Jessica Pagula. She is currently sitting uh, at right around three behind. So 17th, you look in terms of break percentage. Pagula's third on hard courts. Madison Keys, eighth on hard courts. Even the math has this pretty even as well. You know, again, Pagula 1-0 in the career head-to-head. For what it's worth, Tennis Abstract has Pagula as a 65.2% favorite. She did win their head-to-head straight sets in San Diego last year. I mean, Pagula plays such line drive, return of serve, tennis. And I do wonder, again, with how heavy Madison Keys is hitting the serve. She's hitting the serve so well. She's hitting the plus one so well. When Pagula gets stretched, she does like to play the slice, and I do worry that gives Madison Keys time. So, again, Keys, whenever she's offered any sort of time at this U.S. Open so far, she has capitalized, swung freely behind either of those ground stroke wings. Now, again... If she does float any serve, Pagula's going to get that ball on her body fast. Pagula's going to have her jammed on the serve as well, playing into that body and getting her stretched on the plus one. It's going to be another tight three-set, two-plus-hour match. I mean, look, with the weapons Madison Keys plays with, I see a world where she just, if she can carry over that form from Samsonova, sustain that level the matches on her racket. I just don't think she's going to be able to do it because I think Jessica Pagula is going to find ways to disrupt it. I think Pagula is going to connect even on a couple of first serve returns. I think Pagula has progressively served better as this tournament's progressed. And yet I still don't think we've seen her play her best match. I'll take Pagula six, two in the third. This is going to be a really fun match. And again, these two have only played one previous time in their career. I'm very excited to see this second one at a proper stage, a New York second week. Give me Pagula over Keys, tight three-set match. That's the second match for you here on this preview. Now, again, we got six more to get to. Not going to spend quite as long as on all of these. I do still want to introduce the players, give you the stats, the background. Medvedev versus Demon Hour is my third favorite match of the day. That one's a grind. This is one we've also seen already this summer. And you look for Daniil Medvedev, 27 years old, three in the world, quietly 52 and 11, winning 83, excuse me, percent of his matches so far this season. 
you know, wins over Balaz, O'Connell, Baez, all pretty comfortable so far. This is second week appearance, number 13 for him at the majors. He's seven and five in his career in this round previously. But we saw him lose this match in the Canada quarterfinals to Demon Hour, albeit a very tight 7 6, 7 5 uh, scoreline. But, you know, again, Demon Hour has quietly been one of the 10 best players on hard courts this season. And you look for Demon, he's playing the best tennis of his career. 24 years old, currently 13 in the world, but one off his career high of 12. He's 11 in the points race, 11 in the live rankings after his result this week. Both career highs, winning two-thirds of his matches, 36 and 18. You know our rule here. You're winning two-thirds. You're continuing to progress up the rankings wherever it may be. Sixth, second-week appearance for him at the majors. He's one in four previously in his career, but did make the round of 16 in Australia before getting walloped by Djokovic, but did make it there. 4-2, the career had had advantage, belongs to Daniil Medvedev, but again, Demon Hours won the last two. All six have been on hard courts. Demon 7-5 in the third win in Paris at the end of last year. Then again, the 6-5 win over Medvedev in their battle in Canada. Now, Medvedev did not serve particularly well in that matchup in Canada. Rang up the 6-7 double fault count, made only 53% of his first serves. The serve has been better, more than incrementally, but not significantly better. Make it about 60% of them. Mix it in about four, five double faults per match, but usually mixing those in after the match is already secured. Look again, Medvedev is patient. Medvedev likes to grind. Demon Hour is ready for that physical fight. Demon Hour is not going to give Medvedev easy pace to work with, to absorb, to redirect. Demon Hour is not going to make the lines of attack easy. Demon Hour will be more than fine playing neutral rallies and forcing Medvedev's hand, which is where at times he gets a little bit slap happy. Not only do the unforced errors uh, amp up, but... You know, again, the doubt starts to creep in, and now he's approaching behind balls he probably shouldn't, and now he's yelling at his box. Demon Hour has all of the qualities to do exactly that. Again, Demon Hour, uh, 36 and 18 overall in this year's top five in wins on hard court this season. Trails Medvedev, Sinner, and Fritz. He's tied with Tommy Paul for the fourth most to win today. Obviously, he'll surpass Tommy, take fourth place for himself. Demon Hour has also been dominant in his past two matches. Now, Ebing Wu didn't have much left in the tank following his five-set first-round win. Nicolas Yari, similarly to physical opening matches. I mean, his serve had no impact on Demon yesterday, which is very concerning if you're Daniil Medvedev, given, again, he Medvedev hasn't even been serving particularly well anyways. This match is going three-plus hours just by virtue of there are going to be a lot of 10, 15, 20-shot rallies. Now, I really like the way Medvedev created with his forehand against Baez in round number three, was particularly aggressive in playing that ball down the line, you know, found the ad side corner and targeted that Baez backhand with ease. He'll, I don't know if he'll do that against Demon because Demon's not going to give you the errors on the backhand wing. You know, again, it's the forehands in neutral positions that at time he can leave short. That's the ball you want to pressure with pace, not necessarily with angle because he hits it on the run so well. Demon Hour also sneaky good at serve and volleying moving forward when Medvedev floats returns or floats slices back in play. Medvedev's winning in four, but it's going to be a three and a half hour four set match. And I'm not quite sure what the flow of the match will be. Again, I think Medvedev's getting to the semifinals challenging in Alcaraz, a sinner, a Zverev, whoever it may be in that match. 
this one's going to be really tight. I think this one's tighter for him than a, a quarterfinal with a Rublev or a Jack Draper would be. Actually, that Draper match would be really fun. I'll take Demon to win a set, but I'll take Medvedev to win in a tight four. And, you know, again, speaking of Draper and Rublev, let's go there next. Obviously, a big moment for Jack Draper, the 21-year-old, in earning wins over Elbot, Hercots, Michael Moe. He's into his first, second week at a major in his career, back up to the top 105 as a result, up 18 spots from this event, it was 123 coming in. Obviously, working his way back from injuries, the 21-year-old reached a career high of 38 earlier this year, has won 64% of his matches in his comeback tour, 16-9 and nine overall. 0-2 is the career head-to-head for he, him against Andre Rublev. Rublev wins in Washington in Madrid last season. It's been a steady U.S. Open for Andre Rublev. The 25-year-old world number uh, eight wins over three Frenchmen in four sets. Cazo, Monfi, Rinder Kanesh. You know, he's won 72% of his matches this year, 43 and 17. Obviously, the breakout title in Monte Carlo, first for him at the 1,000 level. It's 12th appearance in a second week at a major for Rublev. He's 8-3 prior in the round of 16. Man, Draper can bring the physicality. Draper's plus one forehand will give Rublev some issues. I just, I think the pace, the relentless pace of Andre Rublev, you don't know it till you see it. And again, when Rublev's, uh, when Draper's seen it, he struggled with it. He can get a little bit, you know, again, he actually has the backhand, the strength, the size to absorb some of those forehand cross-court blows that Rublev likes to give. The problem is his forehand's a little wristy, and when Rublev goes inside out, I'm worried that Draper's going to yank too many forehands wide on the day, just mishit them. I'll take Rublev again in a comfortable four. Draper's too good to say it's a straight set win for Rublev, but I'll take Rublev in a comfortable four on the day. Uh, Again, all fun matches though, right? Whether it's Zverev versus Sinner, whether it's Medvedev versus Demon, whether it's uh, Rublev versus Draper. Reasons to get excited for Labor Day tennis at the U.S. Open. Three matches on the women's side I want to hit, obviously, and then we'll get to Alcaraz Arnaldi. Look, Chinwen has Jabur on upset alert. I, this was the match, the upset I predicted in our draw preview prior to the start of the event. And while on Jabur's, we've talked a lot about on, so I'm going to keep this one shorter. The 29-year-old, world number five, 27 and 11, has begun to separate herself in the points race as well from the rest of the field. Finals Wimbledon makes the second week here at the Open. Wins over Osorio, six and five, or five and six. Three sets over Naskova, three sets over Bojkova. She's been fighting an illness all week long, and yet into her ninth second week at a major. How much does she have left in the tank? That's the question because she takes on 20-year-old Jung Chinwen, who of course is top ten in hold percentage this season. That first serve is the weapon that jumps out to the casual observer. But Jung Chinwen likes to get physical. I actually think her default mode is three to six feet behind the baseline. Heavy topspin, time to get into her big backswings. You know, again, she likes to hit, throw that high and heavy at you before driving a backhand down the line by you and has mixed in the drop shot well. You know, again, Jabur serves well. Chinwen's going to have trouble on the forehand on the return of serve, but Chinwen's a hell of an athlete. And she'll track down the slices. She'll track down the drop shots. Now, I'm not sure what she's going to do with them. And that's why this match is fascinating. Because if Jabur does have, 
gas left in the tank, she will do the one thing that makes Chin Wen most uncomfortable, which is keep the ball out of Chin Wen's strike zone with her slices and, you know, all the angles she likes to play. If she doesn't have gas left in the tank, though, the pace, the heaviness of that Chin Wen ball just it might overwhelm her. And for what it's worth, Chin Wen, a 6-1, uh, 2-1 retirement victory over Jabur in Canada last year. So you hesitate to count that as a 1-0 lead for Chin Wen. Again, it's lined up for Chin Wen, wins over Podoroska, Kanepi, the three-setter over Bronzetti as well. Second career sec- uh, appearance at a major second week. Obviously, the first one, a three-set loss to Iga. She has a much better opportunity this time, albeit against the reigning finalist in Jabur. I'm going to take Chin Wen to get through. I think this is a straight-set upset where I just think Jabur runs out of uh, gas in the tank at the end. Other women's matchups I want to talk about, and again, I'm going to spend less time on the women's side today because I just think some of these are going to be lopsided. All due respect to Peyton Stearns, whom we love here at Cracked Rackets. Peyton Stearns in the midst of a career season. She's 21 years old. She's going to break the top 50 after this U.S. Open. First, second week at a major for her wins over Tomova, Tossin, Bolter, all in straight sets. She's 42-17 and 17 overall on the year. Her serve, particularly kick serve wide on the ad, first forehand, wherever, dominant. It's a top 20 combination. Hard courts, clay courts, need to see more on the grass courts, but hard courts, clay courts, it's just going to work for her. There's a physicality she brings. Yeah, the errors, the ball will sail on her, but there's a physicality she brings. And I never have to wonder if Peyton Stearns has quit on the point because the answer is no. She's going to try to track down every ball. The physicality has improved immensely. But Von Drusova is one of the seven best players in the world right now, her opponent. And obviously ninth-seeded reigning Wimbledon champ Marketa Von Drusova, 24 years old, at her career high, 39-12. and 12. She's won 77% of her matches this year. Hasn't dropped the set against Han, Trevisan, Alexandrova. Sixth career, second week for her at a major. She's 2-3 and three in round of 16s prior, but obviously coming off of the Wimbledon title at her last major She's going to get the ball out of the strike zone. She's going to be able to absorb the plus one pace of Stearns. Now, that ball will get up on the shoulder of Vondrosova, but the slices, the drop shots, the lobs, you know, again, she's just, she's locked in right now. Is Marketa Vondrosova broke Alexandrova in, I think, her first six service games yesterday. I just think she's ready. I, I just, I think this is where the run ends for Stearns. I'll take Vondrosova to advance again, a, a two and three, three and three sort of battle. Stearns is going to hold serve. She's going to hit some forehand winners. She's going to hold her own. I think Vondrosova, though, advances comfortably into the quarterfinals. I think the same for uh, Arena Sabalenka. And look, Daria Kasakina has been a top 15 player now for 18 months. And She's had a really good year. The 26-year-old, 14 in the world, 32 and 20 overall, sixth career second week appearance at a major. She's three and two in the round of 16. Wins over Parks, Kennan, Minin to get here, but Sabalenka's gone untouched. Dominant against Burel, dominant against Burage, dominant against Zinevska. She's 47 and 10 overall in the year, winning 83% of her matches. 10th second week appearance for her at a major. And remember, getting to that second week was such a hump for Sabalenka to get over. Now that she's gotten over it, she's sprinted through that finish line. Six and three in her career at round in round of 16s at majors. Has obviously made the semifinals or further at all three majors this season. It's just a bad matchup because there's nothing Kasakina can do to hurt Sabalenka. And yeah, if the errors pile up for Sabalenka, Kasakina is physical enough and pesky enough to stick around. 
but the match is just so unequivocally on Arena Sabalenka's racket. She's four and two overall in the career head to head. You know, hasn't lost to well, lost to her in San Jose six love in the third in August of last year. Beat her three and three in Cincy though this season, and again this season is when Sabalenka became Sabalenka. I just think she gets through very comfortably. I, do, I think this is where the ride ends for Kasakina, who, again, is in the midst of a very good season. She's going to hold seed at this event, but I don't think she goes any further. I'll take Arena to win in a comfortable straight sets. And then last, but certainly not least, hopefully you watched the entertainment that was Alcaraz versus Dan Evans, because I think Carlos Alcaraz is going to blitz through 22-year-old Matteo Arnaldi. And look, first meeting between the two, no disrespect to Arnaldi. 22-year-old's had a hell of a run. He'll be at a new career high in the top 50 after this week. Upsets Cam Nori in straight sets in round number four, uh, three of this event. You know, 42-20 and 20 overall in the year. I don't see a discernible weakness in his game. He's solid on the forehand, solid on the backhand, hits his spots well on the serve, moves well, passes well, a willing volleyer. How's he going to hurt Alcaraz? That's the question, and I don't know the answer to it. And when you don't have a clear-cut answer to that question, you take Alcaraz in a blowout. Alcaraz competing in his seventh, second week at a major, 5-1 and one in round of 16s. 56 and 6 he's won 90 percent of his matches this year you know they're t- again he wins this u.s open it's a pantheon season i think a date in the quarterfinals with sinner or or zverev awaits and again every day the matches just get a little bit better a little bit better that's going to continue to be the case i think this is the day where maybe you skip the alcaraz match you focus on one of the other eight round of 16 battles because there's a lot of good one on the schedules and again my picks in reverse order i'll take alcaraz sabalenka vandrusova chinwen rublev oh it's getting tougher medvedev pagula Sinner, but it's, again, they're all really good matches, so tune in, folks. Of course, if you miss any of it, we'll recap it all on the Mini Break podcast feed. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout-out to him. A shout-out, as well, to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we will see you all on day nine thanks everyone